Homage to the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. Welcome back young friends and other people who are joining today. We are covering the gradual teaching series and we have been going through most recently the Buddha's gradual instructions on the heavenly realms. And one of the questions that usually comes up when it comes to wrongdoing and uh, making mistakes is, is there anything that can be done about it, particularly if you regret it? So this session is titled The Benefit of Regret and Asking Forgiveness. So uh, there are many things that the Buddha does actually say, and we've actually covered some of this in our meditation. So for example, the Vatupama Sutta, there are mental stains and we actually clean our minds for those mental stains. Likewise, when we do the Karaniya Metta uh, meditation, which is what we learned in Metta school, is if you want to be upright and very upright, what we normally do is we clean our bodily, verbal and mental actions. So there is something that we already do in terms of uh, looking at how we can uh, correct what we have done, at least internally. But the Buddha also encourages us a little bit further than that. So let's begin by looking at this Acheya Sutta. This is in the Anguttara Nikaya, chapter 3, discourse number 4. Now, in this sutta, the Buddha talks about the marks or the characteristics of a fool, and then the marks or the characteristics of a wise person. So he begins by saying, one who possesses three qualities should be known as a fool. What three? One, he does not see his transgression as a transgression. Two, when he sees his transgression as a transgression, he does not make amends for it in accordance with the Dhamma. And three, when another person confesses a transgression to him, he does not accept it in accordance with the Dhamma. So let's go through these three things first. So in the first case, a fool doesn't see that he's done anything wrong. So transgression means wrongdoing, misdeeds, misconduct. So we would observe a fool and think, oh, he's done something wrong. And the fool himself would think, oh, I haven't done anything wrong. And so he doesn't even see it. So the second thing is, even if he sees it, he doesn't make amends. So uh, in that case, if he's taken something from someone, he's not going to return it. If he shouts at someone, he's not going to go and apologize for it. If he lies about something, he, he won't go and make that correct or correct that untruth. And if he has ill will in his mind, for example, then he, he doesn't see anything wrong with that and he won't even try and correct that. So those are some examples. And then the third is when another person confesses to him that they've done something wrong and they're kind of asking for forgiveness or even that sort of uh, undertone, then the fool will probably reject it and dismiss that the person is being regretful, uh, wanting to confess. And so that's a, that's a mark of a, a fool because someone has uh, you know, gotten the courage to come up and actually tell I've done something wrong. And, and that's usually a very difficult thing to do, as we know. And the fool just rejects it or doesn't accept it, which is actually quite a, not a very nice thing to do. So by contrast, a wise person uh, does, looks like the opposite. So number one, he sees a transgression as a transgression. Two, when he sees a transgression as a transgression, he makes amends for it in accordance with the Dhamma. 
Three, when another person confesses a transgression to him, he accepts it in accordance with the Dhamma. So you can see the contrast that a wise person actually knows that there's such things as virtuous conduct that you can actually see that if you uh, take something that's not given, well, that's a wrongdoing. If you have misconduct with the senses, again, it's a wrongdoing. If you lie, if you have harsh speech, divisive speech, all those kinds of things, you know there is wrongdoing. And so you actually see it. And same with the mind. If you have ill will towards another person or harmful thoughts towards a person, then same thing, you, you can see it and you admit it. Now, the second one is making amends when you've done a transgression. So a wise person would actually go and apologize, would actually uh, go out of their way to correct if they've caused a loss for someone. So if you've taken something for someone, you might return it or replace it at, at its value. Uh, or if you have injured someone, maybe you would go and pay for their hospital fees or things like that. In the case of making amends, at least going and uh, confessing and, and asking for forgiveness, like apologizing, I think that's a very uh, strong quality in a wise person because you need a lot of courage and you need a lot of uh, intention to fix something when you've done something wrong. And it's a really noble quality on the Buddha's path because it's something that makes you more readily admit things when things go wrong. Then also the third one is uh, when someone comes to you after they've had a transgression and they're admitting they're wrong, you accept it. So you understand what it takes for someone to come and apologize, what it takes for someone to confess wrongdoing. And so you willingly give it to them because you know that that is a good quality and you endorse that good quality of uh, making amends and confessing. So you can see here that when Buddha says, in this way, we should train ourselves, this is really the framework for someone who's walking the path. When you walk the path, the Buddha's path, you actually want to be able to confess because you understand karma that there are consequences for our actions, even though we may not see it in this lifetime, it may be in subsequent lifetimes, but even so, that you know that you don't want to uh, pretend that that's not so. So you have right view about it. And in that way, it goes a long way to somewhat uh, building yourself on this path and what happens is you more readily see wrongdoing as something that's not so personal, but something that you actually just need to clean. That purification of the way we behave by body, speech and mind is a very good thing. And in that way, we are becoming people that cultivate bright actions with bright results as opposed to dark um, actions with dark results or a mixture, you know, dark and bright. We actually try and improve on that quality. And so this is a very good sutta in terms of providing a framework in order to become a wise person. When you read the suttas, uh, you, what you normally find is this very strong thread through the Buddha's teachings and also through the teachings of the senior disciples of the Buddha and their encouragement to actually confess and disclose and clarify misconduct. So anything that where you've transgressed through body, speech and mind. And so in this particular teaching that the Buddha gives to Rahula, and it's in the middle length discourses, the Buddha's actually giving him a framework from which to do it. So he actually says, 
you should ask yourself, does this act, does it lead to hurting myself, hurting others or hurting both? Is it unskillful with suffering as its outcome and result? And so when you check like that and you realize actually it does fulfill that, it either hurts yourself, hurts others or hurts both. And then dukkha is the result, like pain or suffering is the result of that action. Then what you do is, he, he advises Rahula, you should confess, reveal and clarify such a deed to the teacher or a wise spiritual companion. So it means you can go to your parents and confess, uh, reveal and clarify what you've done. Or if you have a very good spiritual friend, a Kalyanamitta, then you also do the same. And that's what the Buddha advises. And then Buddha says, and having revealed it, you should restrain yourself in the future. So you make a commitment not to do it again. And then he goes on to say, if you check and you've done nothing wrong through body, speech and mind, then you should be joyful. You know, rapture should come because you know that you're training in skillful qualities. And if you have right view, then you know that the consequences of those good actions are particularly wholesome. And likewise, you refrain because you know that unwholesome actions lead to bad results. So this is actually a really lovely way that the Buddha has given because he ends by saying all ascetics and Brahmins of the past, future and present who purify their physical, verbal and mental actions do so after repeatedly checking. So this checking mechanism is something that the Buddha you know, really emphasizes. And we do see this in other suttas, like the Anumana Sutta is another one where Venerable Mahamogalana, he gives a very similar teaching to this of the Buddha, that you check yourself a bit like looking in the mirror. And so the Buddha ends by saying to Rahula, you know, train in this way, train by saying, I will purify my physical, verbal and mental actions after repeatedly checking. And so this is an encouragement for us to do the same, that if we do regret, this is a mechanism for us to do it, that we can go to a spiritual friend or a parent or a teacher and actually confess that there's something that we've done and you know the details of it if we wish to do so. And then knowing that we've done it, we actually feel more purified inside. Now, if we don't choose to do that, then of course, then it's possible to do it through the Vatubhama Sutta and also through the Karaniyamata Sutta as well. There's also that avenue if you don't feel comfortable uh, revealing it to a friend. But one of the things to remember, and this is something you may not know, but others may know, is that there's something about spiritual development and being able to have really good spiritual friends. So if you're able to develop Kalyanamitta in a way that you're able to confess to each other, not to make another self out of it, but just to be able to cleanse each other of you know, misconduct, it actually helps each other to grow quite quickly. Like that's one of the things, the benefits that the Buddha gives for spiritual friendship, that if one cultivates really good spiritual friendship and one of the aspects is being able to confess to each other, then both of you grow really, really swiftly, that it really helps in that process. So it's something to bear in mind. And of course, it's not easy in the first instance to ever admit to anybody else that you've done something wrong. But over time, if you realize that it's a very noble quality, it's the quality of a wise person, then it becomes a lot easier. And a good spiritual friend doesn't judge you, will actually accept that 
that admission, that confession, and help you to, to improve your, your conduct and you go together on that path. We also know that within the Vinaya and Patimoka, there are mechanisms for the monks and nuns to actually confess, admit fault, make amends, and then also settle disputes. But we have this story that's in the Vinaya that's actually quite interesting. It's about a monk asking forgiveness from Chitta the householder. So Chitta the householder is someone who is quite renowned as someone that is a very good role model for lay people. He was very, very generous and also very, very wise in the Dhamma. He was very known for his ability to explain the Dhamma. So Chitta the householder was at the monastery and he received a teaching from Venerable Sariputta. And it's said that after that teaching, he actually, actually attained path and fruit of a once returner, so Sakadagami. And so he was very overjoyed at the teaching and so he immediately invited the Sangha to his house for the meal offering the next day. Now at the time he was very close to another venerable called Venerable Sudhamma. He would go and talk and talk about his plans and his invitations to the Sangha with this venerable. And at that time he didn't uh, remember to go and talk to Venerable Sudhamma and, and when he remembered he actually went back and he went and invited him. But Venerable Sudhamma was actually feeling a little slighted. He felt jealous and unhappy that Chitta hadn't come to him earlier. And so he declined the invitation for the meal offering. And then Chitta, of course, he, he asked again. He asked another two times and Venerable Sudhamma rejected his invitation. But the next day, he actually turned up at Chitta's house and he pretended that nothing was wrong. And at the same time, during the meal, he actually criticized the meal that Chitta had offered. And Chitta actually made a comment at that time about it, almost like calling out Venerable Sudhamma in a, in a very straight way. Now, this story got back to the Buddha, and it came to, to occur that the Buddha reprimanded Venerable Sudhamma, saying, Chitta doesn't deserve that kind of behavior. And at a meeting of the Sangha, subsequently, it was decided that he would go and uh, ask for forgiveness from Chitta, that he must go and visit him and, and make amends. And what happened was Venerable Sudhamma found it very, very difficult to go and do, do that. So eventually he had to, with the help of the Sangha, he eventually went to Chitta and he actually asked for forgiveness. And of course, Chitta being a wise person, he actually forgave him and pardoned him from that. So this is another good story to show that it, it is very difficult to do what you know, the Buddha advises, but at the same time, once you do it, and also once you receive the, like if you've done something wrong and someone forgives you, there is a sense of relief. You can imagine that Venerable Sudhamma would have felt quite ashamed after being reprimanded by the Buddha and also by the monks. But at the same time, as much as he didn't want to go and uh, ask for forgiveness and to apologize, I bet that once he had done it, he would have felt a lot better. I think that's one of those things that we don't realize that you can actually feel a lot of relief and maybe even a neutralization of some of the bad karma from having done something like that. And the other thing to think about is sometimes we don't know who has attained path and fruit. So when we do even bad speech towards someone or behave in a particular way that is rude or impolite to someone, we don't know whether that person is very 
developed on the spiritual path. And so it's very good to clean out anything where you've, you, you actually feel you've done something wrong and you actually regret it. We may spend a lot of time with monks and nuns on occasion. So sometimes we might go on a meditation retreat being taught by a monk or a nun. Or we might go and stay in the monastery and we're around the monks and the nuns. Or maybe we invite them to our house to stay for a period. Or maybe we go on a pilgrimage with a monk or a nun. And so in those instances, there is always at the end of that period the ability to ask for forgiveness. So this is a convention that already exists. It's really lovely because it provides the opportunity to clean the slate. So we often say through body, speech and mind, uh, if you've done anything wrong, uh, please forgive. And you say that three times and usually the monk or the nuns, they would actually forgive. And so it's a really lovely ceremonial thing, but also as a way that you've ended that period of time when you meet up again, it, it's clean, it's, fr it's fresh. Now, the other thing that is possible is to ask forgiveness of the triple gem. So it's a similar thing that you, you ask through body, speech and mind due to negligence. Uh, if I've done anything wrong, forgive me, and you ask the, the, the Buddha. Then the second time you ask the Dhamma, and the third time you ask the Sangha. And so when you recite it, it's actually really lovely. So on the right, you can see the uh, Pali words, and on the left, you see the uh, the English, which is, if by body, speech or mind, due to negligence, I've done any wrongdoing, forgive me of that fault, Venerable Sir, the enlightened one of abundant wisdom. If by body, speech or mind, due to negligence, I've done any wrongdoing, forgive me of that fault, Dhamma, visible in this life and immediate. If by body, speech or mind, due to negligence, I've done any wrongdoing, forgive me of that fault, Sangha, unsurpassed field of merit. Now, this is a very, very powerful uh, asking for forgiveness because normally we don't know how much transgression or wrongdoing we do in our minds and actually body speech and mind to be quite honest and we do that all the time it's actually something that uh, we find quite difficult and so when you know that you do these things consciously or unconsciously it's really good to do this from time to time and it makes you feel a lot better so this is another mechanism that um, if you regret anything and, and you feel like you need to purify, then you do this particular asking of forgiveness from the triple gem. Up to this point, we've mainly been talking about things that you regret after having done misconduct. But we haven't really talked about preventative measures. And the Buddha talks about two really noble qualities. The first one is shame. And the second one is fear of wrongdoing. And the Buddha says that these two bright principles protect the world. Now, when you think about shame and you think about fear of wrongdoing, they really have this way of preventing you from breaking your moral precepts. That if you're ashamed of doing wrong, immediately you think, I shouldn't do this. And then fear of wrongdoing is really understanding karma. That if you do unwholesome things, there is a bad result. And so that also prevents you. So when Buddha talks about them as two bright principles, it's almost like he's saying that they help to maintain the moral balance in the world. If you have lots of people doing bad things, what can you expect of the world? The world will decline. Likewise, if you have people cultivating good things, then the world prospers. 
And so in this respect, the Buddha says that if you have shame and you, if you have fear of wrongdoing, then these are two bright principles because they lead to people cultivating good things as opposed to the wrong things. The Buddha actually elevates the moral shame and fear of wrongdoing as seeker powers. So seeker is the trainee, so one who is training on the Buddha's path. And the Buddha says the power of moral shame, it's when a noble disciple has a sense of moral shame. One is ashamed of bodily, verbal and mental misconduct. One is ashamed of acquiring evil and wholesome qualities. And then the power of fear of wrongdoing. Here a noble disciple fears wrongdoing. One fears bodily, verbal and mental misconduct. One fears acquiring evil and wholesome qualities. This is called the power of fear of wrongdoing. So in both cases, you can see that they're quite supportive of the path because they're preventative. That if you know the noble ones, if they were observing your behavior, would you not feel shame about certain things that you're about to, to do wrong? So through body, speech and mind. That's another way of actually looking at it in terms of shame. In terms of fear of wrongdoing, if you understand kamma, that you know there are good and bad results, then you are very careful about your volitional actions. And so this is another way of also helping us to walk this path, to take in the Buddha's teaching, and, and also to develop and grow on this path. We can end our session here. Let's share the merit with all sentient beings. May all beings be happy and well. May all beings be free from suffering. Blessings of the Triple Gem. Wishing you well, young friends. Teruan Saranai.